Hi, I'm James Schillinglaw, and I'm here with a familiar face, if you've been watching us. It's uh, Bill McGee, uh, who's Senior Fellow for Aviation and Travel at American Economic Liberties Project. Now, why are we here? Well, if you heard the big news, uh, the U.S. Department of Justice has sued to prevent JetBlue's acquisition of Spirit Airlines, a deal that a lot of us thought was going to go through without a problem. I think JetBlue did, too, until recent days. And then it became apparent that uh, the Justice Department uh, views the, the whole deal as anti-competitive. Now, we're going to talk with Bill, and, and right up front, Bill has also opposed this deal. Uh, Bill and his organization, I should say, American uh, Economic Liberties Project. And he has a lot of reasons why that is the case. And we're going to find out about those and a lot more on Insider Travel Report. Now, Bill, good to see you. Uh, as always, uh, you're always a fountain of information on on what's going on in the airlines, and we've talked with you before. Uh, but here we got a real big story. Uh, we it kind of came as a shock. Did it come as a? I know, maybe it didn't come as a shock. A few days, you guys had an inkling. Uh, I, I know you were saying that this was going to happen, but when did you first get a sense that the Justice Department was going to actually sue to prevent this merger? Uh, well, first of all, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Um, we didn't have much advance notice. We just saw some media reports uh, late last week, so it was only a few days before the announcement dropped. Um, but I will tell you that, yes, I mean, I was I was happily surprised that it clearly is a different team at the Department of Justice these days. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, I have been in other organizations going back many years opposed to all of the consolidation in the industry. I could go on and on about the harms that I think the consolidation has caused. But uh, the bottom line is the DOJ has not seen an airline merger that it didn't get out of rubber stamp for in a very, very long time. Well, so this is a good thing then. And from your view now, why? Why just let's talk about the facts. Why did Justice Department sue to prevent this merger? What 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 are they objecting to? They're objecting to the specifics of this merger. Now, I, 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 we're approaching it in a little different way. We, we really have two concerns. One is an overall concern about the harmful effects of consolidation. And when I speak about those effects, I'm talking about on consumers, on labor, on partners of airlines like travel advisors, on entire cities and communities. And, you know, we could talk about that at length. But then there is this merger, uh, you know, itself with Spirit and JetBlue. Let's not forget last year at this time, we were talking about Spirit and Frontier, right? right? This is how it all evolved. Frontier tried to merge with Spirit and JetBlue suddenly woke up and said, oh, wait, we can't have that. We want to we want to partner with Spirit. Yeah, yeah, rare, uh, a rare return to hostile corporate takeovers in the airline industry, right? Back when yes, we yeah, that. Long time since we saw something like that. I mean, shades of the 1980s and, uh, you know, some names from the past there that I think we all remember. But uh, you're right on that. But, uh, you know, the idea that Spirit, I'm going to speak very bluntly. We all know Spirit is a problematic airline from a consumer perspective. Right. We're talking about 28-inch seat pitch. We're talking about, you know, fees for carry-on baggage. We're talking about flight disruptions, consumer complaints. But we're of two minds here. And I, I don't think it's a, in conflict. I think it's it, it all makes sense when you lay it out this way. We would like to see Spirit be a better airline. Look, I, I just recently, on behalf of American Economic Liberties Project, filed comments with the FAA 
on Spirit's seat pitch because we believe it's not just a, a comfort issue and even a health issue. It's a safety issue and an emergency right. evacuation. Okay. So, you know, I'm on record. We have a lot of problems with Spirit. We've also, uh, I'm, we're, we're supporting legislation um, on, on the Fair Fees Act from Senator Markey to have, you know, more transparency and to get rid of some of the crazy fees that we can all thank Spirit for on these shores. I mean, we can thank Ryanair in Ireland right. for introducing the concept of, as they call it, unbundling uh, ancillary fees. We call them junk fees, like the President of the United States did recently <laughs> in his State of the Union. Can't, I can't tell you what it felt like after all these years of talking about this to suddenly be sitting on the sofa and watching the President of the United States in the State of the Union address in Congress talk about fees for family seating when you and I talked about it several years ago. Right. And some of us have been in the trenches on this for years. And suddenly you see members of Congress on their feet applauding it. And I'm like, wow, OK, there is a different sheriff. It, it, it's one it's one of the few bipartisan things uh, in on Congress right now, I think. Right. Well, you know, and I've been joking about this for a while, and I, I really, uh, I, it's come to, to, to me that it's not a joke anymore. I have been saying for over a year, uh, sort of half jokingly, you know, that um, the only thing that could save America right now, it's so fractured and we're so polarized politically. The only thing that could save us is the airline industry because everybody's angry at it. You know, well, <laughs> it's not so funny now. I, I watched as both Republicans and Democrats jumped to their feet and applauded when President Biden talked about uh, junk fees. And I thought, well, maybe it's not a joke anymore. Maybe I, I was onto something there. Yeah. Um, but but getting back to Spirit and, uh, and JetBlue and Frontier, Spirit is a problematic airline, as I said. But the bottom line is we do not want to see Spirit go away, not right. through bankruptcy, not through merger, not through anything. Look, the fact is that Spirit is the largest ultra low cost carrier in the United States. Mm -hmm. When you start looking at pricing and fares in the in the U.S. market, there's a big irony. You know, Airlines for America, they're the lobbying group for, for the industry, but they don't represent all airlines. They represent the largest airlines. They don't represent Spirit, Frontier, Allegiant. And Airlines for America loves talking about how fares are lower. We can argue that all day in terms of right. the fees and a lot of other things, but just as a given. Well, you know, the irony is anytime that you see lower fares, it's not thanks to the carriers that are in Airlines for America. It's thanks to Spirit and Frontier and Allegiant, the two new guys, which are still very small and growing, Breeze and Avello. I've flown right. both of them, by the way. I just flew right. both of them recently. Um, the, the fact is, that's where you get any kind of uh, downward effect on pricing. It comes from those guys. And so... I don't think people realize you don't have to fly spirit in order to benefit from its presence. It would be a really bad thing for fares nationwide, not just on one or two routes. Spirit is, is, has a larger route map than a lot of people realize. Yeah. And I, I hadn't looked at their route map uh, until a couple of months ago in a while. And I looked at it. I said, look, look at these guys. Now they're, they're, they're all over the place. Yeah. yeah, not just domestically, but Mexico, Latin America, uh, Caribbean, you know, you name it. They're all over the place. Um, Jeff Blue also has a pretty big, uh, pretty big uh, footprint now and is also flying to the UK, as you know. Um, and, and now Paris. <laughs> right, right. And so when you compare those two route maps, first of all, you see the, the sort of traditional problem that you see with mergers, the overlap. But whatever there's overlap, that means you lose that competition. That's a given. But in this case, what we're going to lose is ultra low cost fares. Right. And spirit for all of its problems, you you have to give credit where it's due, and that's what I always try and do here. They 
bring down fares. And if we lose the largest ULCC, and that's effectively what will happen because spirit right. is going to go away and, and their fares are going to go with them. Um, anyone that thinks that JetBlue is still the low cost, low fare carrier it was when it started in 2000 hasn't looked at JetBlue's fares lately. Right. Okay? And their their costs are ballooning. And guess what? mergers are expensive in and of themselves. So right now they're paying all these lobbyists and all these attorneys and all the, you know, communications teams and everything else that they're doing to try and get this, this merger approved. And they're doing it at any cost. I I mean, I think the irony is not lost on people in the travel industry, particularly your audience who know airlines and know this industry, that the idea that not one, but two airlines we're begging for Spirit's hand in marriage last year is pretty funny. I mean, you know, go look at the DOT statistics on consumer complaints and yeah. Spirit is not a popular airline. And yet here, two airlines were fighting over it, right? Um, look, JetBlue clearly is doing this for reasons that are not always uh, stated in their in their comments here. Why do they want Spirit? I mean, that's a fair question for anybody sure. who knows airlines. Why would you want to merge with Spirit? JetBlue saw that Frontier was 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 about to merge with Spirit, and Frontier and Spirit combined would have been the fifth largest airline in the country, larger than Alaska, and certainly and larger, larger than JetBlue, JetBlue right? <laughs> right, and so JetBlue would have find it would have found itself falling even further in the market share rankings, and so they said, no, 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 we've we've got to marry, you know, Spirit. Well, let's call it what it is. I mean, that's what it's about. It's about market share. It's about size, and that stuff is still very important to Wall Street. It's still very important. You talk to, you know, they they may talk a good game about why they want to do this merger and how it's going to help things. Um, I don't buy it. I, I'm, I'm being very blunt with you, as always. I don't buy it. I think, you know, this is about market share and about their size. And it's not going to be good for consumers. It's certainly not going to be good for labor. Now, if you want to talk about labor, there's one uh, very well-known labor organization, uh, the flight attendants with Sarah Nelson, that is opposed, excuse me, that has come out in favor of this merger. But right. Then you have an even larger union, the Transport Workers Union, that I've done some work with before in terms of full disclosure on, on airline safety issues. And TWU is opposed to it, uh, virulently opposed to it. Right. Um, you know, every merger, every airline merger, going back to my own days in the airline industry. Look, I, I left the industry due to a merger when I worked at Pan Am Shuttle. Sure. Yeah, you were talking shuttle. about airlines that don't exist anymore. Pan Am, exactly. TWA you know, back then, yeah. Sure. Eastern, you know, I mean, I, I worked at Pan Am Shuttle. Delta acquired it. And I was given four days to move from New York to Atlanta. I was married. I had a home. I mean, you know, and I said, well, four days. And they said, if you want the job, take it or leave it. You know, um, there are winners and losers when there are mergers from the labor side. And um, this one is going to have a lot of losers because there's a lot of non-unionized employees at both airlines. And what's yeah, going to happen a- to them? So you don't buy JetBlue's argument that what they will do was what they're doing will lead to lower fares and more service. It's actually the in your view, it's the opposite no. uh, the, because it is not a, an ultra low cost carrier. Uh, it, but they're saying they're up against the so-called big four and that they want to be now what part of that big four. Maybe they'll be bigger, be bigger than the, the four, number four, which is Southwest, if they were to do this. Uh, but you're saying that's not what they're 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 saying is not true. That it is really up to uh, you know. And then the other question we should we should turn to is also service to local communities, because mm-hmm. uh, you know that uh, I I can't believe that there won't be some consolidation of the two carriers' root systems if they if there the, always is there yeah. always is my my. Risk- 
response is very simple. Show me an airline merger ever. I mean, go back 30 years, go back further if you want. Show me an airline merger that hasn't led to uh, reductions in service, either eliminating routes, reducing frequencies on routes, re- reducing nonstops out of you know certain cities. It's always the nature. I mean, otherwise, why would you combine in the first place? You're not going to take both route maps to continue to operate them the way they're operating today. It's just, it's not how it works. And you're certainly not going to have two headquarters and you're not going to have two marketing staffs right. and two sales staff and all the rest. Otherwise, you don't merge. I mean, there's no point in merging. So, you know, JetBlue's claim that they need to be bigger and stronger in order to fight the big four. No, I'm, I'm speaking bluntly. I don't buy it. I think that really what they're doing is they're trying to be the, make the big four the big five. And, you know, again, I mean, you have to look at the costs. When JetBlue started up in 2000, yeah, they were scrappy and they were low cost and all of that. It's easy to be low cost when you start an airline because you're starting with a fresh piece of paper and you're starting with no labor, you know, agreements and you're hiring people right off the street and, you know, you have a tabula rasa and you know, off you go, you know, but now they've been around and they're 23 years old now. And they are, like you say, they're flying to London, they're flying to Europe. I mean, I think a very fair question is, well, what is JetBlue now? Because, right. you know, you can sort of scratch your head. I mean, we've been talking about one aspect here. We, we, we haven't addressed the other, which is, let's let's recall, the Department of Justice is actually suing JetBlue twice in two different, in two different venues for two different reasons. They're also suing JetBlue over the Northeast Alliance. Yeah, I was going to get into that because it seems so right. odd because, and one of the things about this this merger, JetBlue claims it's going to allow it to compete against carriers like American Airlines, part of the big four, and, you know, pretty vociferously uh, saying that this is this whole merger is this merger is about that. Yet at the same time, they tout the benefits of the Northeast Alliance that itself is under, under you know, the Justice Department is also trying to stop that one. So what's going on here? Thank you. Thank you. You're stealing my talking points, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm yeah. sorry. No, no, no. I mean, you're absolutely, I mean, you're asking the right questions. I, you know, that, that trial that went on, it started in, I believe, late September and it went right through Thanksgiving. We're still waiting, by the way, for a verdict on that. Yeah. Um, I watched the last day, I watched the closing arguments, uh, Judge Sorokin, I believe, in Boston. And he said, that was just a few days before Thanksgiving. He said, there'll be a verdict soon. Okay, well, we're still waiting. I mean, I'm sure he's busy with other stuff. It's <laughs> March now. That was November. But we're waiting for that verdict. But maybe and, he'll wait till the verdict on this latest lawsuit. Well, maybe <laughs> it is tied. Who knows? You know, but, you know, that's out now. We know where the DOJ stands on, on you know, on spirit. So um, let's see what happens here. But I, you know, it, I didn't, I wasn't able to give, my attention eight hours a day to watching, you know, the, the trial, because I had other things to do, obviously, but I had it on in the background a lot. And I had it on, you know, my screen while I was doing other stuff. And every once in a while, I would hear a JetBlue executive speaking or Spirit or American, and I would, you know, tune in. And I will tell you, if you listened to the arguments that JetBlue's attorneys were making there on why they needed to have this agreement with American, and now you listen to JetBlue's arguments on why they need to merge with Spirit. You you nailed it. There is a disconnect, right? There, and it is a huge disconnect. What I mean, I I really think I'm not being I'm not being facetious, and I'm not I'm not trying to you know overly pick on JetBlue. But I think a fair question is to sit them down. If they were a person instead of a corporation, I'd say you're going through some 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 trouble here, huh? Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Because seriously, like, what are you? What, are you a low-cost carrier? Are you a major carrier? You know, you want to be with 
American, and you know, it's not a merger, but it's it's as close as you can come in this industry. It's code share, it's marketing, it's it's you know, co-branding, all the stuff that you know, just short of a merger. And you're flying to places like London and Paris now, right. and, and you know, and obviously you're 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 not ultra low cost, and you're not twenty eight inch seat pitch, and you're not you know peanuts, uh, you know, as the only uh, free item. Well, what am I saying? You can't even get peanuts for free. <laughs> You know, but and then at the same time, you want to align with spirit. I mean, truly, I'm not I'm not being facetious. I mean, what does JetBlue want? It seems like it just wants to grow at all costs. And oh, well, I think we were that, talking about this offline. We says it, it, it wants a wife and a mistress, too, at the same time. I think no question. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that, that this is, you know, JetBlue wants to be in an open marriage. It wants to say, <laughs> you know, look, I'm going to spend every other weekend with Spirit and every other weekend with American, and, you know, we'll all get along. It's like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no. um, so, you know, for the Department of Justice, I mean, look, I can't stress it enough. At at, at Economic Liberties, look, I, I'm just focused on airlines and travel, as I have been my whole career, as you well know, because we've worked together in the past. But... Um, for my colleagues that, that deal with other other issues, I mean, I have colleagues that have been in the front lines dealing with the uh, the Ticketmaster uh, debacle with you know Taylor Swift and Bruce Springsteen and all the you know all of that consolidation. We deal with consolidation in a lot of different markets, you know, and I'm the airline and travel side of it, but this is a different Department of Justice sure. than we have seen in a very long time, and I can only speak directly to the airlines, and I will tell you. Um, as you know, I have testified in Congress, in both the House and the Senate, against mergers in the past when I was at Consumer Reports on the uh, on the advocacy side, uh, not on the editorial side. As a consumer advocate, I testified against United Continental and against American U.S. Airways. And, you know, we, we, we provided test, uh, written testimony with Delta, Northwest, and a whole bunch of other mergers. Um, I've joked, and it's not a joke, that my batting average is perfect, point zero zero zero. I mean, every merger <laughs> that we offered comments on was was. But you feel was very, you feel you feel very well though. So you, you, you take no hit, but you do feel well. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. But we got to get the stick. But um, you know, but the bottom line is, uh, you know, the, the, like I said, the DOJ has just had out a rubber stamp for years, yeah. and now there's another aspect to this that we haven't really touched on. You asked if I was surprised by DOJ. I was happily surprised, but not shocked because I've seen how the DOJ has been, you know, a different team now, right. particularly in the antitrust division. They are different. There's no question. Nobody can deny that. I think I think Wall Street and, and corporate America is realizing it real fast now. They're saying, right. what happened? We're just used to, you know, rubber stamping here. And now sure. they're not. But the thing that really surprised me and quite happily is just about an hour after the Department of Justice had a press conference announcing this. An hour later, Secretary Buttigieg from the DOT was on TV saying that the DOT is also opposed to it. Now that, wow. well, that's I've been around this industry yeah. since 1985. That's unprecedented. Okay. So I was talking to a reporter shortly after that. And he said, you know, put this in perspective. And I said, look, I don't talk in hyperbole. I really don't. I mean, I don't say, oh, this is like nothing we've ever seen. That's like nothing we've ever seen. We have, I've been around the industry since 85. I have never seen both DOJ, nobody has, DOJ and DOT come out at the same time from slightly different legal angles. I mean, you know, that's more for lawyers to talk about, but they're invoking different, you know, different principles for why they're opposed to it. But they are both opposed to it. Now, as you probably know, 
DOJ has been a very weak enforcer on mergers, but DOT has sort of been a, a silent enforcer. Yeah. I mean, they haven't even really weighed in on a lot of mergers. Now you have both of them. So if I were, you know, betting, I would say that the chances of this merger going through went down dramatically uh, right after both of those twin announcements. We still are waiting to hear what happens with JetBlue and American, but with JetBlue and Spirit, you are talking about a very uphill battle for those airlines. Is, is there any way that they could give up enough slots or flights or service or something that could that this deal could go through at a dramatically different type of airline created? After? I don't think so. It's a good question because that's what we've seen in the past, right? And 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 it was very frustrating to me and others who testified, where you go in and you you lay out this case that. You know, there are tremendous harms from consolidation. And then they say, all right, well, we're going to give up two slots at Washington National and three slots at LaGuardia and two slots at O'Hare. OK, great. Get out the rubber stamp. You know, that's window dressing. It really is. I mean, when you if 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 you look at the tape of the DOJ's press conference yesterday, they were laying out a much stronger case than, oh, we need to give up a few routes or give up a few slots or, right. you know, turn some slots over to a legion and frontier to, you know, no, this is bigger than that. They're saying that this, this, this merger is going to eliminate, a, you know, the, the nation's largest ultra low cost carrier and fares are going to go up. And the thing about that is you don't have to take my word for it. Um, it's it's really easy to document. The Massachusetts Institute Institute of Technology, MIT, they put out a report a few years ago where they looked at all the routes with ultra low cost carriers. And this is borne out four times a year with the DOT's quarterly airfare report. And aviation geeks like me read it, you know, every quarter when it comes out. And you see it's all documented there. It's it's this is actual fares paid. It's not estimates. And when you look at the fares paid and you look at routes all across the country hundreds and hundreds, thousands of routes, what you see is that when you have an ultra-low-cost carrier come in, fares go down. Ultra-low-cost right. carrier leaves. Doesn't matter why. Maybe they left because of bankruptcy or merger or acquisition, or they just stopped flying that route. Guess what happens to fares? Okay. And MIT put numbers on it. They said a low-cost carrier like JetBlue, or like JetBlue used to be, can bring down fares about 8%. But an ultra-low-cost carrier can bring them down 21%. Now, Spirit is as ultra-low-cost as it gets. So if we lose spirit, that's pretty considerable. You're talking about a 21% fair jump in 95 cities all across yeah. America. Yeah. Now, that's, now I guess one of the th one of the things JetBlue argues that this deal is, if it goes through, there will still be this other set. And we talked about them earlier of these ultra low cost carriers, these kind of startups. And I'm talking as well, two of them are startups, namely Breeze, Avella, where there's Allegiant. Uh, the, these carriers are there and then that will be enough to create those. Uh, so you're clearly saying, you know, Spirit's no. the big one. The other guys are still growing and they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. Spirit, you know, Spirit is the big dog among the ultra low cost. I mean, Breeze and Avella are just out of the gate. Like I said, I've just flown both of them myself, but they're both starting up. They're expanding. They, you know, they don't have the flight frequencies yet. They're going, you know, twice a day in some places, once a day. You know, we'll see where they are in a few years. I mean, my own experience flying both Breeze and Avella was fine in both cases as far as the airlines themselves go. But they were ultra low cost. I knew what I was getting. I knew that I would be paying for baggage. I knew that I would be, you know, that, that there'd be no amenities on board. But, you know, they were efficient and clean and, you know, the airplanes were in good shape. So. And they also but, were going between airports that really are not served as much. That right. Was I flew out of on, on, on a Velo. I flew out of an airline, uh, excuse me, out of an airport that isn't even really a commercial airport. It's uh, it's Tweed Airport in New Haven, right. very close to where I live in Connecticut. 
um, convenient as can be for me and many others in Connecticut. So we didn't have to go all the way to Bradley or New York, but, um, you know, uh, a small airport and, uh, you know, no jet bridge yet. And they were working on it. So we were, you know, boarding out on the tarmac in the winter in Connecticut where it's a little chilly. Ah, yes. Well, the old old days of uh, real true flight then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in other words, these these carriers are not uh, up and ready and ready to go to to replace. No, no. Spirit, Spirit has a big footprint. It's, you know, it's, I mean, I've been looking at the estimates. It's somewhere between four and 5% of market share. Now that is, you know, the other guys aren't even close to that. Now that, you know, again, you take that out of the marketplace. And then when you start looking at some of, you know, spirits, look, we can't call them hubs because they're not technically hubs in in the way that we know network hub and spoke to, to operate. But JetBlue, Spirit, even Southwest, they call them focus cities, right? right? Cities where they have a big presence and a lot of departures and a lot of flight frequencies. Well, Spirit, you know, has a very big presence in some very big places like sure. Chicago O'Hare, not Chicago Midway, Chicago O'Hare, which is unusual because usually the ultra low costs are at the, the, the secondary airports, you know, like. That's like how Midway. Southwest got into Chicago. Is with exactly. That. exactly. Midway. Look at Southwest. Love Field instead of DFW, right. you know, uh, Hobby instead of, you know, IAH in Houston, Midway instead of O'Hare in Chicago. But Spirit is at is at O'Hare, and I went in and I I did a deep dive last week, and I spent a couple hours looking at their entire route map out of O'Hare and how their flight frequencies are. And there are a ton of flights in which Spirit is operating against only two airlines, and those two airlines are American and United, not surprisingly, because they both have hubs at O'Hare. But guess what's going to happen to fares there? It's not a mystery, you know? And, and, you know, I was talking to a friend recently who was who said something about Spirit, and he said, I've never flown Spirit, and I never planned to. I said, okay, fine, that's your right. And he said, well, I don't care if they, you know, go out of business or they, they merge. I said, well, you should, because he flies to Florida like four times a year. He has a place down there. Right. And I said, what do you think is going to happen if Spirit, he goes into Fort Lauderdale. I said, well, if Spirit goes away, what do you think is going to happen? You could be flying American Delta United all you want, but guess what? Those fares are going to skyrocket if Spirit goes away. And that's what's going to happen. And JetBlue's argument, well, you know, we're going to be the best of both worlds. You're not. You're not going to have the cost structure, and you're not going to be offering the fares that Spirit does. Right. And in some ways, you'll have a better product. I mean, I'm acknowledging you, but there's a give and take here. You know, if you're going to be JetBlue and have more, you know, more legroom and amenities and everything else, well, okay. But then you're going to pay for it, and fares Mm -hmm. are going to go up. Sure, absolutely. Now let's let's go to see. You know, we're, we're, let's go down several months from now. And uh, well, both those two cases have been like uh, decided. We're just as, as one. Both. What is the airline result? The resulting airline system going to be like here in America if uh, JetBlue can't buy Spirit in this form at all, and also they can't have their alliance with uh, North the, the Northeast Alliance with American? Yeah. Well, that's what we're hoping for. And if so. We're really hoping that this stems the tide because, um, you know, as far as consolidation goes in the airline industry, look, we all know that there has been this consolidation. But until you do a deep dive and you start analyzing it, as I've done, and I've gone back and looked at the record over the years, it's shocking. And I've lived through all of it. You've lived through all of it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I we both go back long enough that we've watched it happen throughout our careers. And yet when you stop and really analyze it, what you see is that right now in 2023, 
we have fewer scheduled passenger airlines in the United States than we've had since the 19-teens, okay? So this is since the first ticket was sold in 1914. Sure. I mean, that's how far back you have to go. And that's even, even with so this new fewer. influx, that's even with this new influx of things like Breeze and Avella, right? Yes, because let's also remember, this is another part of it. 2007, Virgin America started up. Where's Virgin America? Guess what? Consolidation. Alaska acquired it, right? Against Richard Branson's strenuous objections, but that's that was that. Um, because he's not an American citizen, so he couldn't have a, a more than 25% of the carrier. So Virgin America started up in 2007. We then went 14 years until 2021, when Avello right. and Breeze both launched, without a new airline in the United States, scheduled passenger. Now, that's unprecedented. So you've never had so few airlines. You've never had such a long dry spell without new airlines. And we've never had the level of concentration at the top. Now, when I worked in the industry, there were like 12 major carriers in the United States. Right. I mean, there was paying, you know, all the ones that are long gone, you know, and, and we know their names, Continental, U.S. Airways, Northwest, Pan Am, Eastern, you know, uh, uh, PWA, America West. Well, now we have people express people express sure (laughs) and now we have four major carriers controlling 80 percent of the market and i went back and i crunched the numbers and i did the research we've never had that level of concentration ever and i don't know that everybody really understands that so if we're going to talk about fixing this industry and all of its problems with all the problems with customer service and with cancellations and, and all of it the first thing this is sort of like first you have to stop the bleeding first you have to stop the consolidation Right. So in answer to your question, we're hoping that everybody in the, in the industry gets the message that this is a new DOJ, it's a new sheriff, and it looks like, fingers crossed, maybe it looks like the DOT is on board now too, yeah. and, and they're going to be a little bit more robust because they've just been rubber stamping and rubber stamping for years. Well, I, I know that's been, you've been objecting and saying they're really doing nothing even you know since the new administration came in that DOT has not done anything. And the last time we talked, there was a lot of things going on and uh, DOT really was, you know, absent without leave, if you will. Uh, yeah, you we know. talked about that. And then, and, and so that's why I was so happily surprised to see Secretary Buttigieg on TV the other day talking about, you know, taking action on, on JetBlue and uh, Spirit because we're hoping, you know, maybe they've had a change of heart too. We'll see. I mean, time will tell. We still have this investigation going on with Southwest with their holiday debacle yeah, and the meltdown. Yeah. Are they doing right by all those? By the way, it's not thousands, as I've heard a lot of media reports. It's millions of passengers had their flights canceled during the right. holidays. I did the math. I went into Seat Guru. I looked at the fleet, the, the, the seat maps. I looked at how many flights were canceled because Southwest won't tell us how many passengers were affected. Right. Well, guess what? I was as conservative as could be. It's at least 2 million people had their flights canceled in nine days. Just by Southwest. Just received, right. Yeah, just by one airline, one event. Now, wow. that's unprecedented, okay? And I see a lot of media reports were like, well, hundreds of thousands of people. No, no, it's seven figures. It's conservatively, it's it's two million. Could be wow. as much as almost three million. But even let's be conservative. And, you know, uh, the fact that Southwest can tell us the number, that in itself is problematic. Like, <laughs> let us know how many people. So anyway, the bottom line is, that's a ton of people that are due compensation for meals and hotels and all the rest of it. Uh, the DOT said they would hold their feet to the fire. So we'll see. I mean, it's yeah, been that'll two be interesting. Now, now yeah. take us take us in the scenario. The other scenario would be if JetBlue, the courts agree with JetBlue, not the DOJ, 
on both cases, or maybe just one of them, what what is the resulting uh, system we're going to see? In your view, it's higher fares, less service, uh, uh, that kind of thing. Is that what's happening? Yeah, I mean, it's everything that we're all the problems we're seeing now will get worse. But um, you know, I think one of the one of the the misleading things here is that people talk about market share a lot. We've talked about market share t- today. When you look at market share, the big guys, they have about 80%, so roughly 19, 20% each, some more, some less, but together, cumulatively. Okay, so they're much bigger than 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 Spirit and JetBlue for that matter. But in this industry, it's not always about market share. Look at the fact that Spirit, when it was tiny, when it only had about 1% market share, they led the revolution that led to the fees in this country. They were a right. tiny little airline, okay? And they emulated Ryanair, the worst ideas of all time, charging for bags, charging for seat assignments, all the rest of that stuff that we ate. And when they did that, because let's remember, a lot of people forget this. People think Spirit's always been an ultra low cost carrier. It was not. It's been around since the nineties. And it was a, you know, it was a regular carrier with, you know, service on board and all the rest of it. They remodeled themselves. They did a, they did a, they did a remake and not for the best, in my opinion. Right, right. And they, you know, and when they did that, I was at Consumer Reports at the time, it was around 2007, 2008, and I got on the phone and I called every airline in the United States. There were more of them then. And I called Continental and US Airways, all the dead airlines that we don't have anymore. And I called every single one and I said, did you see what these guys are doing? Spirit, you know, it's a little airline. They're, they're like Ryanair, they're charging for bags. Are you guys going to do that? And every single airline in the United States said to me, are you kidding, Bill? Come on, charge for bags? That's crazy. When is it a US airline? Ha ha ha! Not so yeah. funny now, right? Not so I mean, funny. And then, then, then the uh, next step is charging. Only Southwest, for- though. I always want to be fair. I always going to give yeah. credit where it's due. Southwest, that, that, the only, the only one left, does not charge for the first two bags. Well, but, the, the one so, I, I without the fee I love is when you you pay a fare and then you have to pay another uh, a charge to actually get an assigned seat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was in Washington a couple of weeks ago at a forum with. Uh, the American Bar Association sponsored and was sort of became a debate. And it was a guy there from Allegiant and, you know, a nice guy. And he was talking about Allegiant and uh, he said something about, you know, the fees. And I said, you know, you, you charge a fee for boarding passes. Really? Like, come on, you're killing us, you know, like a boarding pass. Really? You know? And he said, well, you printed at home, you know, uh, but you can't always do that. Right. You're in a hotel room. You can't Paper costs money, Bill. You know, you got to Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so, um, so what I'm saying is, for good and for bad, a small airline can have a big effect in this industry. Right. So in the case of fees, I would argue it was a bad thing. Others would say it's a good thing, but we're not on the same page. But also for good, because like I say, like I said to my friend, you don't have to fly spirit to benefit from its fares. Right. And we have seen it going all the way back to when you and I worked together. We remember an airline like Kiwi. Kiwi oh, flew yeah. out of Newark to Chicago. And they flew, if I remember correctly, they started out, they flew like only twice, three times a day. And, you know, New York, Newark being part of New York Metro, New York, Chicago, one of the busiest routes in the country, usually in the top three or five, that route is served at that time in the 90s. It was served almost hourly by both America and United. Not surprisingly, because they both have a hub in O'Hare, right? So Kiwi started operating. And we did a fair examination where we saw that throughout the day, you know, let's say I'm making numbers up, but you get the idea. Let's say it was $500 one way for a walk-up fare. New York, Chicago, 500, 500, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. Then Kiwi has a flight, 
300. Right. Then an hour later, 500, 500. Then Kiwi has their afternoon flight, 300. I mean, that's how dramatic it is. That's how, I mean, like, I wish I had a printout of that now. That's what you have to understand. People never stopped flying American United and they suddenly were paying 200 bucks less per flight and saying, gee, I wonder what that's about. Well, it's an airline in Newark that you're not even flying. <laughs> did that. A tiny airline, forget their market share. But that's how it works in this industry, right? So, you know, Bob Crandall, American Airlines, used to talk about that. Like, you sure. know, you're only as good as your dumbest competitor and remarks like that. Well, the bottom line is spirit goes away. It's bad news for all of us. I agree. I agree. And we'll, we'll see what happens now. For our our main audience out there, our travel advisors, uh, what do you want to tell them about how this could affect them uh, if this all goes goes through, uh, if the DOJ is successful? Um, and and is this going to be, be better for travel advisors and their clients? Obviously, you're saying yes, because they'll have access to lower fares and also hopefully more service. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, I think, you know, all the boats go up and down with this, you know, and whether it's travel advisors, whether it's all the other, you know, business to business companies that work with airlines at airports and all the rest of it, this affects a lot of people. Uh, you know, sometimes when I've testified, I've heard it talked about in very narrow terms, like, you know, they talk about the labor unions. That's obviously a huge part of it. I'm not saying it's not, but not all workers in the airline industry are unionized and not all workers in the airline industry work for the airlines, right? Um, as you know, from my book, Attention on Passengers, yeah. I, I, I spoke at length in there, several chapters about the outsourcing. So many of the people at airports where Spirit now has a, has a very robust presence in a lot of flights, they don't work for Spirit and they don't work for JetBlue, but they're going to lose their jobs. And they, they load bags and they, you know, they, they drive equipment on the ramp and they, you know, drive belt loaders and they cater the planes and they, they clean the planes and they push the wheelchairs. And guess what? If Spirit goes from 16 flights a day to two under JetBlue, they're out of work, too. And, you know, it's the same for travel advisors, in my view. Uh, Look, I get it. I understand, you know, ultra low cost carriers are not a a, a moneymaker for for advisors. We know that. But at the same time, you just you don't want to see competition go away. And I don't think travel advisors want to see fares go up nationwide to a point where people start saying, well, you know what, we can't take that trip because, you know, a lot of this is discretionary. Yeah. And if, if, you know, spirit goes away, then suddenly people say, well, you know what, we're not going to be able to go to Florida this winter. So instead we'll do something. And, else. and I think we're even, you know, I'd be honest with you, there's already a, a, a push upward for fares, even domestically and certainly to uh, Europe and places like that. I hear oh, that. Yeah. Complaint. I'm I'm here. Uh, actually, I'm actually here in Vienna, and I'm talking to travel advisors right here. And there, I talked to him to one tonight. Said, you know, the fares are just going crazy to Europe. You know, yeah. you can't yeah. find, I, so I started suggesting some lower cost competition that exists out there, but they're not equipped to do that quite yet. Uh, the the right. advisors I talk with because they have their deals with you know the bigger carriers, and so if, if you start getting fares where people are not going to go on to, to discretionary travel, that's going to hit us all. Yeah, no question. And and I mean, again, I think if you're a travel advisor, you want to see a family of four say, yeah, we can take spring break and go to Florida because, you know, because fares are lower, whether they're on spirit or not, as I pointed out. Right now, if spirit goes away again, fares will go up nationwide. And, you know, and we've we've talked over the years about the Southwest effect. Sometimes they've called it the JetBlue effect. Well, the Southwest effect and JetBlue effect are not what they once were. But spirit effect, that's very real. 
when you're talking about bringing fares down 20%, that's huge, right? And that is the difference between somebody saying, all right, I'm going to take that trip or no, I'm going to do something else. And instead we'll, you know, we'll drive somewhere or whatever, you know. And then if, from a travel advisor perspective, to be honest with you, I'd rather see the my client spending a lot more on the resort or wherever they're going than on exactly. the uh, Exactly. It, I mean, you know that. A lot of people do that. They say, okay, we'll suck it up on the flight. It's two or three hours and it's going to be you know uncomfortable and it's not going to be the best, but we don't care because we're going to be seven days at a nice place. And that's where we're, you know, that's the vacation, not the flight. You know, well, we always well, said that the, the, the actual trip is not your vacation at the, on, right. on, in the flight for a long time. I think airlines thought they were part of that. And, and uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when flying was fun, but it sure isn't <laughs> fun these days, you know, and I mean, I used to love flying, you know, when I worked in the airlines, it was great, but you know, now it's like you just want it to be hassle free. Now, when somebody says to you, how was your flight? Well, look, you know, everything was OK. You know, like that's all. It's a very low bar these days. Yeah. You know. Well, uh, anything else you want to tell our viewers out there about? No, you've been you've been you've been hitting all the bases. I mean, I you know, I can't stress it enough. I mean, I'm, I'm working for an organization. I know a lot of people may not be familiar with it. American Economic Liberties Project. We're all about monopoly power. We're all about consolidation in, in a lot of different fields. And I, they're only a new organization. We just had our third anniversary last week. I joined last spring. And when I came on, you know, they, they expressed to me that I was sort of like a big piece of the puzzle they wanted to fit in. They wanted to right. deal with airlines. And of course, since the day I got here, the airlines have been misbehaving, right? Between the cancel flights, the debacles, the shutdowns, the meltdowns. Yeah, you, you, you've been kind of yeah. busy this past year. I got to tell yeah, you. No there's, kidding. There's, it no seems like there's no end. At least, you, hey, you know, it's job security, Bill. You go. Well, look. I mean, you know, I, I don't see the airlines cleaning up their act in the next month or so. But um, the fight is real. But I mean, I, I have to tell you, if you had told me a year ago, um, you know, that in less than a year from now, that both the DOJ and the DOT would be opposing a merger for the first time in my advocacy career. Wow, that, that would have blown me away. And here we are. So that in itself is a victory. Absolutely. Now, where can uh, our our viewers go to find out more about uh, American Economic Liberties Project and, and what you all do? Sure. And if you want to reach out to me and talk to me, you can do that, too. Um, we've been very involved in a project that 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 could affect travel agents, and that is eliminating federal preemption, the, the clause in, in uh, deregulation that prevents travel agents and consumers and everyone else from suing airlines and state courts and class action suits and state uh, AGs from having any authority and state legislatures. So if you have questions about that or anything else, um, our website is Economic Liberties US. It's American Economic Liberties Project. You just do a search engine, you'll find us right away. And on the website, uh, there's an about us and it has all of our team members and you pull down the bar and there's uh, a bio on me. And then underneath is my direct email contacts. So you can just reach out to me. And if you have questions or complaints or whatever, let me know. Absolutely. Well, Bill, I want to thank you for spending some time with us. It's been a, a busy week here. Uh, and again, a busy year involving yeah. uh, what's going on with the airlines as usual. Uh, but I'm very glad that, that we got the opportunity to chat with you. You always uh, clarify a lot of things, and I've known you for a long time. I hate to tell you this, it's probably about 30 years now. Uh, it, it, you it, said it, I didn't, but yeah, <laughs> it's 31 actually. 
I know 31, 31, if you want to get there. And uh, it, it's, uh, we've known each other for a long time and I always respect and, and like to hear your views on these things. And uh, this one was a natural to ask you about this again. Thanks very much. And uh, again, go, go check out the American uh, Economic Liberties Project website and you'll, and then you can contact Bill there and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, if, if both of these cases are won by the DOJ, uh, it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be a success, certainly for uh, for what you guys have been lobbying for. And I do think it will benefit travel advisors and their clients in the long run. Again, oh, thanks thank so you. much for, for being with us today. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate it. I'm James Schillinglaw, and this is Insider Travel Report. <laughs>